Amen. Last week we began a new series, David, What a Life of Drama. I'm going to look at David's greatest asset. David's greatest asset was his heart. Was his heart. And you see, David is so unique in that. In the whole Bible, there's only one person named David. Hebrew names are usually repeated. Peter, Paul, Hosea. Even Jesus' name was not unique. Jesus, people were bearing Jesus. The Hebrew version was Joshua, Savior. But David, only one. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I just find it interesting. David survived all the terrible things he went through because of one thing, his heart. David had his heart in the right place. How do you deal with a fire-in-law that is trying to pin you to the wall with a javelin? Physically, this is not the arrow that flies by night. This is the javelin that flies in broad daylight. <laughs> How do you deal with that? How? David had a good heart. That was his greatest asset. And I'm praying today that God will give us a new heart. Even better than David because, I mean, we, we have a better covenant. But at least a starting point like David. Praise the name of the Lord. So your heart is your greatest asset. And you have to guard it. Like the scripture says, guard it, guard it diligently. Guard it with all your heart, with all your might. Because out of it flows the issues of life. Your heart. You guard your heart. There are a lot of pollution out there. A lot of people trying to sow evil seed, gossip, trying to sow doubt, trying to sow all sorts of things in your heart. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Jesus could relate with the criminals on earth. In fact, while Jesus was dying, he was telling a criminal, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus could stand prostitutes. Jesus said to Matthew, tax collector. You know what tax collectors are? They are like the worst bunch in the community. Jesus said, follow me. Jesus could stand any kind of sin or sinners, but Jesus could not stand hypocrites. Jesus said to the hypocrites, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. Cast woe unto you. He cast them. He couldn't stand hypocrites. This, that, Jesus could stand many things. Jesus cannot stand hypocrisy. What's hypocrisy? Simple. Bissala, Shegun, come. You guys, come up see. You know? Okay, you have to wear shoes. Uh, <laughs> women are blessed. Mrs. Shomoy, do you have your shoes on? Okay. <laughs> you know, the shoe itself, it's, you need to configure it. It requires configuration. <laughs> so, Mrs. Shomoy, yeah, that woman, is very dangerous. <laughs> I say, Ooh, this guy can. <laughs> this guy knows how to do the thing. You know? <laughs> you know? If you see what she did to her husband, she's a witch in broad daylight. Eh? <laughs> then, greet me. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, good morning. Show me. You're such a wonderful woman. <laughs> What is that? Hypocrisy. Thank you. It's very simple. It's as simple as that. That's hypocrisy. If you don't think she's a wonderful man, don't say it. Don't say it. Jesus says these people, they draw near unto me with their, but their heart. Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. And your heart as a believer, you have to ensure that it's free from hypocrisy. Say what you mean and mean what you say. 
David's heart was totally committed to God. Totally committed to God. He was just a shepherd boy. When God said to Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14. 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14. God said to Saul, but now your kingdom, Saul, must end. For the Lord has sought a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the commandment of the Lord, the Lord's commandment. David, uh, God said to David, uh, about David, I found David is a man after my heart. David's heart is committed to me. Totally committed to me. Totally. So today we're going to look at, if you look at David's heart, what do you see? If, if, if we have a microscope or a telescope or something scope to look at David's heart, what would we see? And, you know, in preparation, I, I saw a lot of things David has. But we'll look at eight of the things that we'll see when we look at David's heart. Number one, when we look at David's heart, we will see a heart of obedience. We will see an obedient heart. When we look at David's heart, we will see an obedient heart. In Acts chapter 13, verse 22, Acts 13, 22. The word of God says that, but God removed Saul. This is Paul preaching now. But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to. To do now, the key thing about the heart of David is because it's a heart of obedience. David will do everything I want him to do. You know, it's amazing how people will say, "Tell me what to do, I will do it." There was a there was a scenario, you know, and I felt God was saying to me, "You won't do it," but. In my heart, I was like, ah, the man looks so sincere. He looks so, you know. And I felt God saying, he won't do it if you tell him what to do. So I told him what to do. Guess what he did? He didn't do it. <laughs> so there are people like that in, in, in the times of Jeremiah. They came, they were crying, they were weeping. Jeremiah, give us the counsel of God. Give us the counsel of God. And God said to Jeremiah, don't tell them, oh, they won't do it. Answer them. Give them a prophecy after their own heart. What they want to hear. Tell them. God is dangerous. God can give you a prophecy that you want to hear. Uh, You're looking for prophecy there up and down. God can give you one that you want to hear. Uh, Go. God said to Jeremiah, Professor, and Jeremiah was saying, Thus says the Lord. And he was telling the people just what they want to hear. Why? Because God said, They will not do what I have told them to do. Because I've already told them and they did not do it and they are still looking for prophecy. Yeah, tell them what they want to hear. Praise the name of the Lord. How did Saul lose his kingdom? How did Saul lose his Simple. There was battle. They needed to be sacrificed so that God could come in and intervene. Samuel was supposed to come and do the sacrifice. Saul waited and Samuel was late. Saul waited and waited and waited. And the man of God came late. How can a whole man of God come late? Samuel came late. And the Philistines were approaching. And the Philistines were gathering. And the Philistines were closing in. And the people were agitated. And Saul said, must have said, I know how to do this thing. I've seen Gassam do this thing a few times. Is it not to cut this thing, I cut that thing, I say a few mumbo-jumbos, then we are good. So Samuel, Saul cuts it there, cut it there, offered the sacrifice. As soon as he offered the sacrifice, what happened? Samuel came in. 
I said, what have you done? What have you done? Here was all said. Oh, the Philistines were gathering. And the people were complaining. And I felt compelled by the people and by the circumstance to disobey God. And I disobeyed God. And Samuel said, you have done a foolish thing. Because you have done this. And he gave him the word. He terminated his appointment. God terminated his appointment. May God not terminate your appointment. In the mighty name of Jesus. I'm praying for you. That's which you will do. That will make God say, Ah, and I wanted to make you a great person. I wanted to take you to A, to take you to B, to take you to C. But because you have done this, I changed my mind. You will not do it. David had an obedient heart. God could trust David to obey him. Even though David was a shepherd boy, God could trust him. So, when we look at the heart of David, number one, we see an obedient heart. When we look at the heart of David, number two, we will see a wise heart. A wise heart. David had a wise heart. In 1 Samuel chapter 18, 1 Samuel 18, 14 and 15, 1 Samuel 18, 14 and 15, the word of God says, And David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Wherefore, when Saul saw that David behaved himself wisely, he was afraid of him. Saul was afraid of David because David behaved himself wisely. Some of us, people are trying to set us up, and we are still, you know, my grandmother used to say that, they want to roast you, and you are using kerosene to rub your body. <laughs> Have you heard that saying before? And she also used to say, they are calling you a thief. That in the compound, you are the one that is stealing the chicken. Then they caught you with a lamb. You are saying, I'm just playing with the lamb. They are trying to call you a thief. Should you not leave the lamb alone? David behaved how? Wisely. And because he behaved wisely, Saul was afraid that this boy is dangerous. This boy is dangerous. Because if we try to make him offend, David will maneuver. David will maneuver. And I'm praying in the name of Jesus that God, the God of heaven, will give you a wise heart. In the mighty name of Jesus. The heart is so, 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 so crucial. Number three. So number one, David had a, an obedient heart. Number two, David had a, a wise heart. Number three, David had a patient heart. David had a patient heart. David was anointed king as a teenager. He did not become king, at least over the United Kingdom of Israel, until he was 30. So for at least 15 years, David was waiting patiently and adventurously too. He was running from pillar to post, pillar to post. He was just waiting. He was just waiting. He was just waiting. A lot of us, God gives you just, you know, a glimpse of what he wants to do. And we just rush and make a mess of the whole thing. David had a patient, a patient heart. In fact, when David confronted Goliath and killed Goliath, and the woman, everybody said the woman, woman, and the woman began to sing, Saul has killed his thousands, David has killed his Shouldn't that enter his head? Most people don't even need women to chorus. <laughs> like I said, they will open a blog. 1,000 ways to kill Goliath. Come and learn from, from the master, from David. <laughs> now, you know, because of the internet, everybody's the next part. People just open their mouth and say, crap. David, no. David killed Goliath. You know where he went next? 
He went to the wilderness to take care of the sheep. But he left. I mean, that's just amazing. David had grown to be a national hero. But he went back to do what his father told him to do. He was just taking care of the sheep. He was just, I mean, David had a patient heart. God is able to do. He said he will do. Now fulfill every promise to you. Don't give up on God. All right. David, before we turn this to query as well, David knew that he was in the wilderness. When they came to anoint king, he was not even invited. And God skipped Eliab, skipped Abinadab, skipped Shammah, skipped number four, number five, number six, number seven. And they went to call him from the wilderness to come. And they anointed him with oil in the presence of his enemies. He knew that that God, that same God, is able to take him to the throne. Now listen, listen, listen. You see, there's a place for hard work. You know, and I'm an advocate of, you know that, you know, work hard. You see, but there's a place for hard waiting. There's a place for hard work. There's a place for hard waiting. Hard waiting because it is hard. But you are waiting. Because it is not by power. It's not by might. But by my spirit, says the Lord. It's not going to be by caterpillar. But this mountain, in Jesus' name, this is going to be removed. By my spirit says the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. David had a patient heart. So we see, if you look at the heart of David, you will see that number one, David had a, an obedient heart. Number two, David had a wise heart. Number three, David has a patient heart. Number four, David had a listening heart. A listening heart. If you read First Samuel 25, there's this classic story in First Samuel 25. I think you should read it when you get home. There was a man called Nabal. Nabal he was a wealthy man. He had sheep, goats, camel, all sorts of, you know, uh, um, cattle. And David was in the wilderness and David had met Nabal's boys and, you know, he provided like security for them, you know, and all that stuff. And he heard Nabal was sharing his sheep and David sent his boys to Nabal and says, ah, oh God, congratulations, oh, I heard that um, the eagle has landed. Please, can you send some things to your boys, you know? Da, 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 da. David was the number one area boy, you know, <laughs> you know to your boys in the wilderness, you know? Now, think about it. It's like you park your car. You go to Lagos Island, you park your car. And by the time you come back, they've washed it, they've shined it, and they're like, anything for the boys. That's what David was doing here. Neymar says, who sent you to do security? Did I hire you to do security? Number two, who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? Number three, there are many people that are running away from their masters. They cannot even stay on their authority. Useless vagabond. 
Number four. Jobless brats in the wilderness. He abused David from head to toe. So, they told David the story. And this is what Nebar said. David took his sword. He said to his boys, everybody, pick your sword. If there remains a man in Nebar's house today, let God kill me. And he was going. A woman, let me say a woman. Woman. A woman can save your life and a woman can kill your life. <laughs> woman. So, Nabal had a woman, a wife, called Abigail. Abigail had saddled at us, a donkey, and took provision and went and intercepted David and fell on, his, on her feet and begged David and said, don't do this. Don't reduce yourself. To the level of this fool. You know, Nabal is his name. Folly is in his bosom. As his name is, so he is. You are a king. Keep saying, yeah, I'm a king. Yes, you are a king. <laughs> Everything that God has said about you will come true, David. You will be king over Israel. You see, as it is said, Nabal, it is, it is what you address in a man that comes out. Nabal addressed the foolishness in David, the area boy. And David says, I will show you that I'm what? Number one area boy. Abigail addressed the king in David. And what did David do? The king came out. Abigail went on and on. It's, it's amazing. You need, to, you need to read it. Abigail went on and on. But you see, David listened to Abigail. David had a listening heart. There are a lot of people, they would have made a decision to do something. They would have made a vow about it, even though it's a wrong decision. God will send them an Abigail. But they will insist because of pride of doing what they said they would do to their detriment of their souls. David had a listening heart. So, Abigail, when I read that story, I said, to, I was saying to God that, ah, this Abigail is not loyal to her husband. Does it not look like that? But I understood that she was actually saving his life. What loyalty can be greater than that? But she was saying the truth also. <laughs> Some women are so foolish. Truth is staring them in the face. They won't see the truth. But she was saying the truth also. Now, Abigail pumped David up. And she believed so much in what she was. She was, not, she was not just psyching him. She believed so much in it. And she said to David, My master, Oga, when you become king, remember that there's a little girl called Abigail here. Remember me when you get to your kingdom. And David laughed. He must have. And left. Abigail got home. Neighbor was throwing a party. Drinking himself to stupor. She left him. In the morning, when he had all their call has lost effect on him, she told him, David, everybody, even the Philistines feared David and his men. When Abigail told Neba what David was going to do, Neba had a heart attack. Just by hearing that David was coming for him. He had a heart attack. Ten days later, ten days, the Bible says God smote Nabal and he died. Ten days. Many of us, we are trying to fight our battles ourselves. Ten days, God will kill all the Nabals. Many of us are trying to take the war into our hands and God is saying, don't even reduce yourself to that level. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. And I can't but conclude the story. <laughs> when Nabal died, and David heard, David thanked God for fighting for him. And David now sent his boys to Abigail. And that thing you said, 
Do you really mean it? And Abigail said, I'm ready to wash your shoes. I'm even ready to be your servant. To be your wife is going to be a promotion. Yeah, she packed her bag. <laughs> I went to meet David. And David married Abigail. And some of you are judging David right now. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> David had a listening heart. I pray that God will make our hearts the hearts that actually listen. In the mighty name of Jesus. So number one, David had an obedient heart. Number two, David had wise heart. Number three, David had patient heart. Number four, David had Listening heart. Number five, David had a worshipping heart. David had a worshipping heart. There are 150 Psalms in the Bible. David wrote 79 of them. In fact, David compiled the whole Psalms. But he composed 79. More than half. 72 were composed by other people. If I'm, I got my math right, 72 or 71. They were composed by other people. That tells you his heart. His heart. In Psalm 63, verse 1, you know, David says, My soul, my spirit, my soul, in our context, and my flesh is seeking to worship God. You and I know that even when our souls and our spirits are alive, maybe in the morning or at night or whatever, and we want to worship, our flesh struggle. Am I correct? We struggle in our flesh. We are tired or the flesh is weak and all that stuff. But David is saying, my soul is excited and my flesh is excited to worship you. David was a classic, classic worshiper. Many times, David, pardon me? Psalm 63 verse 1. Psalm 63 verse 1. David was a classic Classic worshiper. He was a worshiper. He worships God in the morning. He says, seven times a day will I worship you. Isn't it sounds? Seven times a day. I'm not talking about other songs that come to my mind. I'm talking about I stop what I'm doing. I will bless you, O oh Lord. I will bless you, O Lord, with a heart of thanksgiving. I will bless you, O Lord. I want you, maybe maybe you want to try it. Try it for one week. Set your alarm on your phone. Break the day seven times into, look at your day when you can have time, seven times. And just say, okay, five minutes. Seven times a day, I'm going to worship God. And when your alarm goes up, just stop what you are doing and I praise you, I praise you, oh, I praise you, I praise you, oh, Father in my life, oh, I see what you're doing, one time. I lift my hands in praise of your name. Hey, hey. Father, lift my hands in praise of your name. So when we look at the heart of David, we'll see that David had an obedient heart. Number two, he had wise heart. Number three, he had patient heart. Number four, he had Listening heart, number five, he had. Worshipping heart, number six. David had a loyal heart. David's heart was loyal. You know, (laughs) loyalty 
is something that is becoming very, very scarce as the years go by. But it's something that is always rewarded by heaven. Always rewarded by heaven. David had a loyal heart. Even to his dead friend, um, Jonathan, in 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9 verse 1. The, the Bible says, And David said, Is there yet any left in the house of Saul that I may show him kindness because of Jonathan? Now, Jonathan was dead, and David remained loyal to him. Many people will be loyal to people that, can, that they can get value from later. Many people will be loyal to people that they can get something from. So, for a lot of people, it is, loyalty is scratch my back, I scratch your back. David was loyal even when Jonathan could not scratch his back. That's a good place to clap for Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. David was not only loyal to Jonathan, David was loyal to his boss, to Saul. Saul, in 1 Samuel 24, 1 Samuel 24, Saul was a backsliding king. God had deserted him. He was in sin. But David kept running for Saul. Why was David running for Saul? What do you think would happen? David and Saul alone in the palace, man to man, who will win? Where was Saul when Goliath was threatening Israel? Where was Saul? He was hiding in the tent. So, mano a mano, man to man, Saul stood no chance. But David ran from him. Why did David run? He wasn't running because he was feeble. He wasn't running because he could not protect himself. He was running because he knew that if he had to protect himself, he may have to kill Saul. And he didn't want to kill Saul. <laughs> now, this is somebody that God has anointed you to take over from. And he's the one that wants trouble. You can't give him trouble. Right? Does that not? Not David. He remained loyal to Saul. In fact, Saul, in all his chasing after David, there was a particular time he was chasing after David, I think in, in the wilderness, I think in the cave of Adullam, if I'm not mistaken. And Saul fell asleep. Saul was an original Ajabota. How can you fall asleep in the wilderness? David was original Ajabaki. <laughs> he grew up in the wilderness. You know? And Saul was there, sleeping. And he came to David. Joab said to David, David, give me permission. Just one blow. One strike. He said, Saul will not feel the pain. I just, from sleep, straight. Don't worry, we will inflict pain on him. And these men that, that were talking, they were men of war. As in, these David's guys. David trained them well. David himself was a warrior. In fact, there was a time, there was one guy that is called um, Abinadab, the son of Dodo. Have you heard about the son of Dodo before? There was a time Israel was in battle. Let's we talk more about the battles. Israel was in battle. And the battle was so fierce. The Philistines were so powerful that the whole of the army, the battalion they were in, the whole of the army ran from the Philistines and left David and Abinadab alone. So David and Abinadab stood back to back. You know what back to back means? And Abinadab, the son of Dodo, killed 800 men with his sword. 800 by the time they finished fighting, they had to, his hand was stuck to the sword. The Bible says they had to remove his hands from, his stock, from the sword. I'm praying today, in the midst of battle, may you have people that will stand back to back with you. 
In the mighty name of Jesus. Abinadab stood back to back. These were men of war. There was a time David, the three mighty men of David. David was thirsty. He wasn't thirsty. He was just, he had a craving <laughs> for, for the water in Bethlehem. And says, oh, I wish I, I wish I could just drink of the water in Bethlehem. That was all he said. He didn't ask anybody to go. These three guys, we, we, from where they were staying, there's a garrison of the Philistines, a whole army of the Philistines, before you get to Israel. These three guys, they got up, they went through the armies of Philistines. They were killing them, killing them, killing them, killing them. Three people. They crossed over to Israel. They fetched the water, they carried the water, and they went back, killing them, killing them, killing them, killing them. <laughs> and they went back to David. And he gave David the water. And David said, How can I drink this? Well, the sacrifice is too much for me. And he offered it to God. See his heart. See his heart. For some people, they use this water as smoke, Gary. <laughs> These were the men that said to David, This is all. Sleeping like a cat. David said, No. Ah. He said, No. Said no. Will you lay your hands on the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? Will you lay your hands on him and be guiltless? Oh, but he's a bastard king. He's in sin. He's not in right standing with God. He's this, he's that, he's that. But he was anointed. A lot of people are complicating their destinies just by missing just this bit. Just this bit. It's so powerful. So, so powerful. David remained loyal. He had a loyal heart. Was it to Abner? Do you know who Abner was? Abner was, you know, when David was made the the king of Judah, Abner was the general of Saul. He was like contemporaries with Joab. They know themselves that these are lethal guys. Abner held the son of Saul. What's his name? Adonijah? Was it Adonijah? The son of Saul that was the king of Israel. Abner said to him, don't worry. As long as I am here, David cannot come. And there was war. And David could not take over because Abner was just excellent. So David was the king of Judah. See Adonijah. Can you check, can somebody check for me? Adonijah was the king of Israel. And Abner maintained that status quo. But Adonijah made a mistake. You know, be careful just listening to rumors and making up your mind. He heard rumors that the guy Abner was sleeping with the, one of the wives of Saul and he challenged Abner. Who are you to sleep with? The wife of my father. And Abner was, felt so bad and said, ah, ah, even if you heard this, me, is it not because of me you are king? And he says, in fact, Moshemo, I'm not doing I'm going to meet David. David, I'm going to hand over the kingdom to you. That was how David became king over United Kingdom of Israel. The mistake that your enemy must make, the person they must offend, that will deliver them up. Let them begin to offend the person. In the name of Jesus. So Abner went to David and said, David, David said, eh. Abner says, but you will, you will, we'll have a deal. David says, no problem. But David says, I won't see your face until you bring Michal, my wife, to me. David, David, that woman. He has had two already oh, in the wilderness. So oh. he had the son of this uh, this other king, you know. Then he had um, 
Abigail. Because Saul had given her away to someone else just to spite David. So Abner said, that's a small thing. So they summoned the girl. And of course, she, I was explaining the first person experience, Michal really loved David. Really, really, really. Really, really. Maybe another time we look at Michal. And the husband of Michal was crying. I'm following, yeah, crying. <laughs> when I read this, I said, me, I'd never be like this man. <laughs> never. <laughs> you know what May you not be a casualty of, of power play in Jesus' name. <laughs> they collected his wife and he was crying like a baby. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you many stories. I didn't even intend to tell. They are not even in my notes. How did I get there? Abner. Now, Abner came, met David. David threw a feast, you know, received him well. They respect themselves, you know. They can both do damage. But Abner said, I'm coming to submit to you, you know. And he handed, he spoke to the elders of Israel, and he handed Israel to David. I don't think I couldn't do anything. Nothing. When Abner was going, Joab just came back from war. Joab heard. Joab followed, summoned him back, set up a plot, and killed Abner. Why? Three reasons. Abner killed Joab's brother in battle. Number two, when Abner comes back, when there's a united kingdom, who will be general? Who will be number one? Joab's position was threatened. Number three, I'll tell you that another time. I need to go. <laughs> now, um, David tore his clothes and said to God, this death of Abner is not on my hand. It's on Joab's head and his descendants. May this hand be leprous all the days of their life. And he cursed them. And he mourned Abner. David was even loyal to Abner. Praise the Lord. David was even loyal to Abner. That's why, if you read the mighty men of David, Joab's name was not there. He was actually the number one. But his name was not listed. May your name not be deleted from the records in Jesus' name. So number one, David had an obedient heart. Number two, David had Number three, David had. Number four, David had. A what? Listening heart. Number five, David had. A worshiping heart. Number six, David had. Number seven, David had. A giving heart. David had a giving heart. When David wanted to build the temple, in 2 Samuel 7, he wanted to build the temple. And God said to him, no, you have too much blood on your hands. Your son will build the temple. Many of us will have felt rejected by God, will have felt bad, you know. Not David. You know what David did? Second Chronicles 29. First Chronicles, sorry. First Chronicles 29. First Chronicles 29, 1 to 5. First Chronicles 29, 1-5. David actually supplied everything that Solomon needed to build the temple. David gave from his own pocket everything that Solomon needed, he provided. Now, God said to David, you can't build me a temple. David did not suck. He did not cry. He says, no problem, but I will provide for it. So he paid for the temple. Now, assuming um, there's someone in Nigeria and there's somebody in, um, well, as it is, outside of the country and a brother, their brothers, and the brothers sent money home to build a house for, for him, right? 
and it comes back. Who owns the house? The person that physically built it or the person that paid for it? The person that paid for it. So who built the temple? <laughs> David. Ah. Because he had a giving heart. He had a giving heart. So, number one, David had an obedient heart. Number two, David had a wise heart. Number three, David had a patient heart. Number four, David had a listening heart. Number five, David had a worshiping heart. Number six, David had a loyal heart. Number seven, David had a giving heart. Number eight, David had a repentant heart. David had a repentant heart. If you read Psalm 51, Psalm 51, you know, it's the classic on repentance. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitudes of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgression. David was confronted by Nathan. That, that Psalm was written when David slept with Bathsheba. You know the story. If you've been in church long enough, you know the story of David. <laughs> of David and Bathsheba. It's in 1 Samuel 11, 2 Samuel 11. David was strolling on the rooftop when men, when kings, sorry, went to war. So David was at ease when he should be at war. So he was strolling and he mistakenly saw, he actually mistakenly saw Bathsheba having a bath naked, right? If you mistakenly saw something, what should you do? You should mistakenly Escape. Many people erroneously think because they mistakenly fell into something or mistakenly bumped into something. Oh, it's not my fault. It's your fault because you should have run for your life. You are browsing. You are just browsing, JJ. You just want to check your mail, JJ. Then you see the breast of a woman. Booah! And he says, click here. How your ass begins to shake. How your mouse wants to click. And something says, run, escape. And something says, click. Escape, click, escape, click, escape, click, escape, click, escape, click. Say, click! The problem is not that you bumped into the side. The problem is because you clicked it. Praise the Lord. So David, long and short, summoned um, um, Abigail? Bathsheba, sorry. Summoned Bathsheba. Bathsheba. Stepped in Bathsheba. You know the story. She got pregnant. David tried to cover it. Sent for her husband, commanded her husband, the king in those days had the like life and death, really. Commanded her husband, go home. Ah, the husband said, Ah, live forever, my lord. How can I go home? When Joab, my master, is in battle, when the ark of the covenant of the Lord is in battle, I can't go home, sir. I'm sorry. In other words, he was saying to David, if you want to kill me, Kill me. To say no to a king was saying that. David said, ah, okay, okay, come, come. David, be sure he drank burukutu, burukutu, beer, ogogoro. <laughs> he mixed all sorts of concussion for him. Made him drunk. Why? Because in those days, you know, a drunk man always knows his way home. A drunk, he can go through the gutter on the way home. But a drunk man will always find his way home. Yeah, if, you, if you've been drunk before, you know what I'm saying. 
I used to have a friend. <laughs> I used to have a friend. His brother, his, his uncle. You know, there was a party. In, he said, Ijebu, I thought he was going to Shagamo after. The, so they finished one party in Ijebu. He has, he has he finished drinking himself to stupor. Now, I now want to quickly catch the one in Shagamo. He woke up in the morning in front of his gate of his house. Drunk as in he slept off in his car in front of his gate. How did he get there? He didn't know. The last thing he remembered he was going to Shagamu. Where did he end up going? <laughs> you know? So David knew that and you know, if, if, he, he made sure the guy was drunk and released him to go home and the, the guy actually went home but got to his door and sat down outside. I'm not going to go inside. <laughs> My goodness. Of course, David said to monitor him and follow him. And he came back and said, the guy didn't go in, you know. David says, well, you chose your own destiny <laughs> and killed him. David killed him. Because he wanted to cover up his sin. He forgot that to whom we have to do, everything is what? Open. It's bare. It's bare. There were these two people. They were going to commit fornication. There was a senior one and there was a younger girl. The girl was younger. And they met up. They were going to the hotel and they were opening the car and they looked and they just went to the hotel. So they got in and they were undressing themselves and the girl froze. And the guy was like, why? They were actually Christians. And the girl was a younger Christian. And the girl said, oh God, we looked left, we looked right, but we didn't look up. God is looking at us. I'm not doing. I should run. Now, many of you, if you look up, just look up. Oh, yeah, everybody, look up, look up. Good. <laughs> if you will just look up, you'll be free of many things. So, God was pained. God was pained. By the time you get to Second Samuel chapter 12, God released his verdict. God asked Nathan to confront, and that's the whole story of itself. Nathan confronted David. Nathan confronted David. David repented, but God still punished David. But God assured him that I've forgiven you, but I will punish you. I'm going to read it. Second Samuel. Chapter 12, 7 to 14. Second Samuel 12. Are we there? Second Samuel 12, 7 to 14. I'll read from the New Living Translation. And this is what the Lord says. Because of what you have done. I will cause your household to rebel against you. I will give your wives to another man before your very eyes. You will go to bed in, with them in, in public view. You did it secretly, but I will make this happen to you openly in the sight of all Israel. Then David confessed to Nathan. He says, ah, well, thank God forgive me now. I have sinned. I know I have sinned. Maybe I have repented. Which is a lot of what Christ, a lot of Christians say. He said to Nathan, I have repented now. Why is God going, still going to punish me? Nathan replied, yes, you have repented, but the Lord has forgiven you. And you won't die for this. Nevertheless, everybody said, nevertheless, you will chop the cane. That's what God said to him. Nevertheless, because you have shown utter contempt for the Lord by doing this, your child will die. Now, David sinned. Did he not sin? David repented. Did he not repent? 
God forgave him. Did God not forgive him? But God still punished him. Does that mean God did not forgive him? Hmm? Ha, 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 To whom much is given, much is expected. <laughs> if the fact that God has forgiven him doesn't mean he will not... Okay, let's even do something very, very basic. You commit adultery. The lady has HIV. You catch HIV. You repent of the adultery. God forgives you of the adultery. What will happen to the HIV? It will spread. If the person dies, will they go to hell? No, because God has forgiven. But will they not suffer the HIV? Many people are carrying spiritual HIV in their souls, in their spirits. There are things they are just in captivity of because you think, you know, many people say, oh, but pastor, David committed adultery and God forgave him. God is a God of second chances. So God will forgive me when I commit adultery. Yes, he will. But are you ready for the scars? Are you ready for the scars? Praise the Lord. Because if God loves you, he'll flog you. God said to David, because you make my name, you make people laugh at, at me, I will deal with it. And he gave him three punishments. He didn't say you should choose one. God says, I will give you three punishments. And the three of them came to pass. God says, number one, that child will die. The child died. Number two, God says that sword will not leave your house. David's family, they were just killing themselves. His two sons, they killed them. One killed one, one raped one. You know, sword was in his family. Number three, he says, someone close to you, they, God didn't tell him who, so that he doesn't kill the person. <laughs> someone close to you, you little sleep with your wife. You did this one in secret. I'm going to do, punish you in broad daylight. You little sleep with your wife in the view of the whole Israel. And his son did it. Did God not forgive him? This is David that God loves so much. Did God not forgive him? Don't deceive yourself that you are David. If you are, then get ready for the strokes. Praise the name of the Lord. Oh, David committed adultery once, once, once. You are on your tenth adultery. Number ten. You are not David. You don't even have a heart near. You need to pray for one. Praise the Lord. So, you can't use David to be sexually impure. No, you cannot. You cannot. You cannot. And, you see, sometimes we only find repentance when God disgraces us publicly and makes us publicly ashamed. Sometimes David, do you know how long it took David before he repented? One year. Over one year. Over one year. Before Nathan finally came and met him and made a public show of it. Why? Why did he have to take that long? See Nebuchadnezzar they said to him, Oga, Oga, Nebu, don't do this, oh. Eh, I've heard. I've heard. Twelve months passed. One year. He didn't repent. Nebuchadnezzar chopped grass for seven years. He was eating grass like a goat for seven years. After seven years, the scripture says his understanding came back to him. And he says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, I lifted up my eyes to heaven. And I said, there's a God in heaven that rules over the affairs of men. You are just knowing. <laughs> Why does he have to take you seven years of grass sitting? You are saying to God, God, me, I don't want to chop grass. Oh. Do you want to chop grass? Ask your neighbor. <laughs> me, I don't want to chop grass. Oh. 
But let me tell you something. If God loves you, God will publicly disgrace you. Some people, until that happens, they never find true repentance. Listen to me. Until that happens, they never find true repentance. Look at the woman with um, um, caught in adultery, John 8. The woman was caught in adultery. Until she was caught in adultery, she didn't meet Jesus. She didn't find true repentance until it was a public spectacle. Some will say, okay, okay, is, it, is, he, is she not repenting because everybody now knows? So what? Jesus said to her, where are your accusers? Now, that may not have been the first time she committed adultery. Maybe she committed adultery the first time. The only ghost one that, they say, oh, I'm sorry, but your grace is sufficient. When Christians begin to talk like that, they are not repentant. Second time, we are all sinners, saved by grace. <laughs> You've heard that before. The third time, the fourth, maybe, maybe it was the fifth time they caught her. <laughs> maybe, I don't know, I wasn't there. But, <laughs> when it was a public spectacle, she finally found grace. The scripture says concerning Jesus, that Jesus is full of grace and truth. Jesus is not only full of truth, he's also full of grace. Jesus is not only full of grace, he's also full of what? Truth. So Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and what? And sin no more. Jesus did not say, oh, you were abused as a child. You have sexual dependency. When you go for therapy, when you see a psychologist over six months, then you'll be fine. No, no, no. Jesus says, go and what? Sin no more. That means the power to sin no more is resident in anyone that follows Jesus. Because if you read the next verse, verse 12, it said that in verse 11, verse 12 of John 8, the Bible says, everyone that walks after Jesus does not live in darkness. That's the key. So Jesus said, go and sin no more. 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 Jesus did not say, you know these things we go gradually. You used to sleep with 20 men. Now there are five. You are trying. Jesus did not say, you used to have five sex partners. Now you have only one that you are maintaining. You are trying. You have come a long way. The reason a lot of people remain in captivity of sexual sin is because they excuse themselves. They excuse themselves and excuse themselves. God is saying to you today, go and what? Sin no more. But I have good news for you. If you continue, God will expose you. Say amen. amen. He will embarrass you. Say amen. amen. Check the person beside you. Say amen. amen. Check them. Look, look at somebody face to face. Say amen. amen. It will make you a public spectacle. You know why he's going to do that? You know why? So that you can find repentance. So I can find what? Repentance. I can give you examples upon examples of examples until God exposes before people fall on their faces. But as long as they keep doing it, they will say, short prayer, God, forgive me. I cover myself with the blood of Jesus. Your sins, you say that if you confess our sins, we are, you have been faithful. You, are, you say that before you quickly come to church. You know why? Because you know that church is dangerous. So if I just go anyhow, something can happen to me. So let me quickly cover myself with the blood of Jesus. You, you, know, you don't want to change. So you step out, then you continue. <laughs> Who are you deceiving? You will find repentance today. Say, Amen. amen. In the name of Jesus.
David said to God, after the fact, after God has you know, dealt with him, have mercy upon me, O oh God. <laughs> According to your loving kindness, According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. For it is before you and you alone have I seen that done this evil. If you were to mark iniquity, we will stand, Lord. Because there's forgiveness with you, therefore we can fear you. I remember the Yoruba version. I don't remember the English version anymore. I can continue in Yoruba, but I can continue in English. That's the effect of living with an old, illiterate woman. <laughs> I can't speak English. If only my grandmother could speak English. Maybe I would have able to recite it in English. <laughs> but you see, God is saying to you today, are you going to find true repentance? Are you going to linger? And wait for the explosion? Let's bow our hearts as we bow our heads. But I want to pray with you. You're saying, I need to know you are there. You're saying, Pastor, I need to repent today. That's, that's your heart cry. Wherever you are, I need to slip your hand up so I can see it now over your head. That's all you need to God bless you, sir. God bless you right there. God bless you. Well, God bless you, sir. God bless you. At the gallery, God bless you. Over there, God bless you. Just slip the hand. God bless you, sir. Slip it off. They're going to give you a card. Once you have the card, you can't. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. You can have that hand. God bless you. God bless you, my sister. God bless you, my brother. Right there. God bless you. God bless you. My sister over there. God bless you. I can see you. At the gallery, put up that hand. I, you know, once you have the card, God bless you. Right there. God bless you. Once you have the card, God bless you, sir. Right there. God bless you, sir. God bless you. I can see that hand. Keep the hands up until you get the card. Once you get the card, you can pull down that. God bless you. God bless you, sir. Right there. You, once you get the card, you can pull down that hand and talk to God. And talk to God. I'm about to pray with you. Get in me and you are. And renew the right spirit within me. Renew 